Andrew, there's so many things I want to say to you. Are there? Say it. Will you, will you marry me? Call again later. Okay. Um, is the sky brown? Sources say no. Are you a magic eight ball? Debatably. I knew you were the love of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think magic eight balls say debatably, though. That that would be weird. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I don't think there's a consistent Magic 8 ball, is there? <laughs> well, like, they always give the same, like, eight answers or whatever, or 20 answers, or oh, I don't no, even know. I, yeah, I mean, like, is the pool of answers from a Magic 8 ball always the same, or do they, like, have different editions of the Magic 8 ball? Has the Magic 8 ball evolved over the years? Someone should just, like, install a random phrase generator or something inside of a die and then put that in a magic eight ball so it still looks like it still looks like the normal magic eight ball thing but it's actually like a little computer in there generating new phrases sounds like a phone app but that's why you put it inside the magic eight ball so it's like more mysterious (laughs) it sounds like you could just get make a phone app and people would be just as happy (laughs) or unhappy with this that's true or or unplussed completely (laughs) well Speaking of pluses, uh, <laughs> pluses. Uh, what is this episode five? <laughs> that was episode three, dummy. Uh, <laughs> we, I think I don't even know. Uh, this is layer by layer, a show about layers. Layer by layer. Oh, are we. What kind of layers are we talking about today, Andrew? Um, uh, we're talking about cakes. Yep, layer cakes, specifically ogres. Ogres have layers. What? What does that even mean? Ogres are like onions. Oh. (laughs) They have layers. Yes. Yes, indeed. Well, this is a show about layers, as we've said, but also cubing and other things. We have a subreddit at uh, superreddit.com slash layer by layer. Uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if superreddit.com was actually a thing. <laughs> There's like a ton of like Reddit things where you like change the Reddit part of the URL and it does something different. Oh, really? Yeah. Like one that like lets you see deleted comments and um, that's actually the only one I know of offhand, but I know others exist. <laughs> that's the one I know how to use mostly. Like what would it, what would a superreddit be? Is superreddit just like, it's like an amalgamation of subreddits, I guess? <laughs> Or it's just like Reddit with big text. <laughs> so in reality, it's more like old old person Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, today is 319. What is the third month? March. It is March. March, yes. Uh, and what day of the week is this? Tuesday? This is a Tuesday, actually. It's Tuesday, Tuesday, March 19th. Tuesday, match 19. <laughs> 2019. And. Oh, crap. It's 2019? It is. I almost signed something. Uh, like, I had to sign a, a form today, and I almost signed it 17. That's not even Like, close. that's real bad. <laughs> I think I was faked out because today is the 19th, and I'm like, you can't write 19 twice. That's illegal. <laughs> and I just started writing 17, and I'm like. That's not a seven, it's just a really sharp nine. Uh. (laughs) Don't look at me funny. Um. I've definitely seen some 
nines that look like sevens in like people's handwriting at comps. And this sounds like this sounds like it could be a whole topic if we wanted it to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> write your fours with two strokes, people. Two strokes. How do you write a four with less than two strokes? People write fours like with with like one without picking up their pen. Would that be like you start at the bottom and then draw up? And no, then it's like a sharp it's like line. imagine writing a nine but not closing the top. Oh. Isn't that gross? That's weird. That's a Y, not a four. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say. But there's so many people that write fours like that, where they just kind of do like a U with a long tail, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and it drives me insane because it's like when they get when it gets close to being closed, it's like, is that a four? Is that a nine? Yeah. I don't know. People are idiots. <laughs> uh. <laughs> And then you have to start sifting through other scorecards and figure out what the hell's going on. Um, but, yeah, um, this is kind of turning into a topic before we actually finish the intro. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last thing in our in our beginning things, our logo is was created by uh, the wonderful Sarah Cook, who is a graphic designer who does stuff, and you can also reach out to her for stuff. Stuff. I love stuff. That's right. Mm-hmm. Stuff is my favorite kind of stuff. Double stuff? Me- yeah, mega I'm a double stuff me- kind of person. Mega stuff? Oh, no, too much. Really? Too too much Oreo. If I, if I could just have like all stuff, that would be my all ideal stuff. Oreo. <laughs> See, I I don't understand people that like lick the icing out of an Oreo that drives me well, up the I, wall. I wouldn't lick it out. But, like, if I could, like, twist it off and then eat it on its own as, like, a little patty of icing, like, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I think that you're in the in the majority here. I'm also the kind of person that likes, like, the reversed Oreos more than original. What's a reversed Oreo? Oh, like the like white? The ones that are, white. like, white cookies with, like, chocolate cream. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm not a big fan of those. <laughs> I love those. Those I think are way better than normal Oreos. <laughs> <laughs> but again, I know I'm in the minority on that one. <laughs> uh, so follow up. Oh wait, hold on. I just realized I'm missing a critical piece. But you can start doing follow up uh, while I do this. Okay. Follow up. Okay, I'm done. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> wait did you did you just leave uh briefly <laughs> okay well that'll be fun for you when you edit um <laughs> so follow-up uh not too much really to follow up but we'll continue doing our record check-in for follow-up mm-hmm. um and we did have the first uh world record in a long time happen a couple weeks ago that was uh stanley's five blind world record yeah um so i and i'm pretty sure when we had this initial discussion that we both we were both in recognition that yeah five blind was gonna go down oh yeah for sure i mean what is it now it's like but it's something real low now yeah it's it's sub three yeah and that's really good yeah 249.42 to be exact yeah is it saying the number two i can't tell you that um (laughs) oh my god but yeah, it is. Like, that is such a low number. I'm I'm just gonna move on like nothing happened. By the way, I'm sh- I think I'm pretty sure I missed one earlier that I should have done, but that's because I didn't have the bell nearby. Um, oh god. Uh, so 
Yeah. Is it because I said two forms of two in the same sentence? To be exact, it was two? No, that is not correct. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But yeah, no. Do you think the five blind world record is going to get broken any lower anytime soon? Yeah, probably. Really? Uh, Stanley had a kind of, from what I understand, Stanley had a pretty big pause in that. Hmm. So. (laughs) It just seems so ridiculously low to me. Like, that's that's like a four blind good time. With with how quickly blind is advancing in terms of optimization of you know speed algs and uh, things of that nature, I am assuming that every blind event is going to rapidly drop basically in the next couple of years. So yeah, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to doubt uh, anyone for breaking those records in a in a short time span. Yeah, I think it's definitely possible. <laughs> yeah, uh, but again, I don't really have a great uh, sense uh, other than the fact that I do know that with Stanley's five blind that he definitely had not a huge pause not, not as bad as his four blind from that competition his four blind was like a 120 something with like legitimately f12 a 10 to 15 second pause oh wow yeah and it's like uh nar never felt better man yeah uh, <laughs> but um Four blind, five blind, multi blind for sure. You know, those are all waiting to be broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, three blind, a little less so, but I, you know, it. We've been knocking on the door of sub twenty for three blind for quite a while now. So, yeah, it's, that's I, I actually, happen I feel like that'll probably happen before multi. I think. Just cause, really, you think so? Just because the accuracy required for multi right now is so high. It requires accuracy for a mean too, but uh, I guess yeah, not as <laughs> yeah. But that's like still, it's like three cubes, <laughs> right? Right. Um, and also, there's a lot more attempts at it generally. Yeah, speaking. that's what I was gonna say. Is that I could believe it solely because of that. That just there's and, and also the the number of people that are capable of doing it and the just sheer number of attempts that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually funny because uh, Stanley actually said that he nearly could have uh gotten world record single in three blind this past weekend in oh, Oregon. Wow. Um there was a eight alg scramble. Mm. I think it was eight algs. It was it was a ten yeah, it was eight algs because it was a, just a ten six no cycle breaks. Okay. That's really good. Yeah, it's like just about as good as it can it can be. Within within like reasonable probability. I don't think we really have anything else to follow up on though. Um Yeah, no. Been having these episodes relatively self-contained recently yeah weird well i guess i my first topic is also kind of follow-up but i'd rather have it as its own topic okay well how about we do the doodle do noise and let's go to that uh all right so kit i'm gonna tell you about something okay i'm excited and i mean you already know about this but the listener doesn't um okay but i'm gonna i'm gonna explain something uh from from the start uh about about the competition that uh i ran that you know the one we were in the middle of when we recorded the last episode yes it's, it was a while ago now but i've had this topic in there since then and <laughs> so i just want to okay. go through some things that happened during the competition um and, okay and this i was on the way back up to la with adam walker who was one of the delegates for that competition or yeah. i guess the main delegate you know we were talking about the competition and so I'm just going to take you through sort of how that went. So first of all, we went to get some food uh, with uh, Shane Grogan, who was also at the competition. He, was, he wasn't he was driving back up with us, but he, he went to get food with us. 
Um, okay. And while we were there, we were discussing our times. And mm-hmm. during the competition, I had borrowed Shane's 5x5 to compete with. And I'd broken mm-hmm. my personal like my personal best overall um, mm-hmm. by a huge amount, like 20 seconds. And he was like, yeah, I also broke my personal best by, I don't know, he, he broke it by a pretty significant margin. He's pretty fast, so that's also a significant thing. Yeah, so we were like, oh, that's pretty cool. We both did really good on 5x5, five five, and like your cube was doing good that day or something, because we both used the same cube, you know. And my average was also sub my former uh, personal best single. So it was just like a really high-performing day for 5x5 five five for me. It was like one ridiculously good solve, two very good solves that were both sub my former PV, and then like two mediocre solves. Yeah, so we were talking about that, and then I get back in the car with Adam, and we're driving back, and... Throughout the competition, we had been having some timer problems. Um, Correct. Like, the whole batch of timers that he got, they were all brand new, but they all had problems. Um, Like, they were just turning off randomly. They were, like, he had one really weird incident, because he was writing up the delegate report on the way. Um, I was driving, Mm -hmm. and he was writing up the delegate report, so he was telling me about some of the things that were going into it. And, like, there was an incident where a timer, when it, it was, like, a competitor was, like, a minute into some solve, and then the timer just jumped to, like, seven minutes or something. just out of nowhere and so they stopped the timer at the end of the solve and it's like what i don't even understand that time so that was weird and we had a ryan jew like a couple solves early on during six by six where he was solving and the timer just stopped without him doing anything he was like nowhere he wasn't touching anything and it just stopped in the middle of the solve and that kept happening throughout the day to multiple people so we're talking about this and i basically said like are like are you sure that the timers were keeping time accurately because well, Shane and I both had these like crazy fluke five by five solves, which was one of the longer events of the competition. Right. We had all these timer problems. Nothing that we know of, at least, was to do with them recording accurate time. But like, we had all these timer problems with other things. Mm-hmm. And and then Adam, as he was thinking about it, he was like, you know, I had like a really like fluke good six by six solve ye- like yesterday with the same timers, and that's also another long event. So we were basically talking about this the whole time. We were like getting, we were like making up all these theories. We were like, what? If, okay, so maybe the timers are broken. We were like trying to think of every like piece of like we were like, what are we gonna do? Like if it turns out that these timers are just all keeping like bad time, and we can't like like we can't be sure that any of the times that were set were real. And and we were discussing this like 15 minutes into the car ride, right? And it's like an hour and a half. And he has the timers in the back of the car, so he's like, okay, I'm gonna check them when I get home and make sure they're all like accurate accurately keeping time or at least all the ones that were still working because some of them were just completely broken but we couldn't check them for like an hour and a half so we were we were just kind of left on our own to sit in the car and you and you got to see some of our thought process here um yes you got to see our thought process because you, you were in a part of a group chat with us um, I was, although I didn't see the chat until much later when it was kind of already settled yeah it seemed um <laughs> But basically, we were like, what are, what if these timers are all broken? We have to, like, throw out all the results from the competition. Except for feet, because feet was done on different timers, um, <laughs> which would have been hilarious. Um, and FMC was also done on different timers? That's, that's true. <laughs> but basically, we, like, the longer we thought about it, the more evidence we came up with. So that by the time we got to there and he could actually check, we were, like, so convinced that we were going to have to, like, throw out all the results. But then we checked and everything was fine and, like, it was just... <laughs> You're just really good at solving it five by five, Andrew. I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and like we looked at the other results, there didn't seem to be that many flukes or anything. And 
like even some in the timers that he checked all like some of them even failed later and like you know so it was like no okay it was just a problem with them stopping not with them actually keeping time but it was a good lesson in how conspiracy theories happen i think (laughs) because it was like we didn't have access to like a way to actually scientifically check our hypothesis that this might be true right Mm -hmm. but we had like our our vague and like unreliable memory and like anecdotal evidence yeah and we had a long time to just sit and think about that and nothing else (laughs) so (laughs) yeah it's like when you when you brood over anecdotes rather than data you just kind of get some crazy ideas yeah and like because it all fits together. It's like, oh, it's the long events. Those are the ones where we noticed it, right? It's five by five and six by six. And like, yeah, it was just, it wasn't great. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, yeah, to be fair, um, you know, Speedstack's equipment has been awful as of late. Uh, just the kinds of incidents that have been happening is just ridiculous. I know that, uh, oh, and the other thing that also added to this was like, we had bad timers, but then Brandon Harnish at some competition, he also had just got a brand new batch of timers that were also malfunctioning in the same way. Mm-hmm. So we're like, oh no, how deep does this go? Like, how, how many results are going to be invalidated by this one, inc- like this one, our findings from this one competition? And Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it is kind of crazy though, to, you know, that we depend on speed stack so much and uh, it seems that they're, you know, you know, even if, you know, assuming that it's great that at least that we haven't found that their timers are like inaccurately recording time, but the mm-hmm. fact that they are resetting and shutting off in the middle of solves this much is just kind of ridiculous. Yeah, and the and fact the... is that this problem has existed for over a year now, and there is no solution. Mm-hmm. And like going from Gen three to Gen four, like didn't really fix any of the major problems and made some things worse. Yep, pretty it pretty much made everything worse. Yeah, timer resets still happened, like the the hitting of the reset button and the dislodging of batteries. You know, it was a little bit better, but now we just have all of these ridiculous sort of problems that come up where um, timers get stuck into this state where um, it's like you know when you like boot up a timer, put the batteries in, it shows all eights on the display. Yeah. There's some timers that show almost all eights. Mm. <laughs> and you can't do anything. You can't turn it off. You can't reset it. You can only take the batteries out, put them back in, and have it happen five minutes later. Uh, yeah. I'm, um, and also, just, like, in general, they're so expensive. Like, Yeah. it's There seems like there should be better options. And they, they consume a ton of power. Like, the amount of batteries you need to run those things is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It is ridiculous the whole um, speed stacks equipment situation, and um, hopefully it'll get fixed soon. They, I mean, we we uh, at least WCA delegates have been returning a ridiculous amount of equipment back into them that's been broken. Mm-hmm. So they have a lot of different pieces that have you know malfunctioned in in the past that they can test out, and hopefully they can figure it out. The issue with these sort of issues is that. Um, like, uh, so there was a competition in Vancouver that happened recently where they, um, eventually had only two timers that weren't malfunctioning consistently. <laughs> so they, they have to, like, do all their solves on that, they, they, like, 
narrow it down to two timers the whole comp? Well, I, it was kind of an ugly situation, and I don't know. I don't know if I can talk about it yet, but okay. um, all I do know is they tested all the equipment after that competition, like at home, like literally hooked up every display, every timer because i don't know if you know but displays are often what causes the interference with the timers really yeah it's disgusting it's so stupid it's like just like something is not grounded or something in these devices because (laughs) somehow like an electrical current is going through the data cord and screwing with the timer um we had a comp at yakima last fall where uh it was ridiculously dry outside uh and I think that that you know just because that increases the the potential for static, mm-hmm. that it, these timers were just so so ridiculously bad. Um, we eventually just decided to unplug every display. Wow. And, it, and there was not a problem the rest of the day. Other than the fact that people couldn't see the times that were in the audience. Yeah. <laughs> but we had no reset issues from there on out. It was e- like what <laughs> why is that the, the solution I, I it's probably because the like it feels like the displays are especially like badly designed like they shouldn't need as much power as they do like yeah. i like i don't know it's like i have like you know like a battery powered alarm clock with a similar kind of like you know segmented display right and it's like that doesn't require like eight batteries for right eight like, hours <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't know if there's like a refresh, like the thing is your alarm clock maybe doesn't have um, as high of a refresh rate because it only has to update every minute. But like, do you need a high refresh rate really on a, like, like how high does it need to be? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, I wouldn't mind having, you know, displays that just tick up every second. Yeah. Uh, But I do wonder if like having a high refresh rate is what juices a lot of the batteries out. That's probably, yeah, that's probably related at least. Yeah. Because, I mean, it updates several times, like, you know, n- not not a ton, because the refresh rate isn't even that high mm-hmm. on that display, but it does update the display several times per second, which is a lot more times than alarm clock updates, and I don't know if that has a lot to do with battery life or not. That's Yeah, that's a fair consideration. But still, like, <laughs> I mean, and that's got to be related to the, the problems with them, like, causing interference with timers. Right, but... Anyways, I was in the middle of a I was in the middle of a middle of a story when um, I was talking about the Yakima comp because that was my, I brought that up for the purpose of talking about how displays sometimes are causing the issues with the timers. Mm-hmm. Back up a level. The reason I brought that up is that the people in Vancouver took all the equipment home, hooked up all the displays just to be sure, and couldn't reproduce any of the issues. Hmm. None. Wow. I, it's inexplicable. Like, it's just, can, if you're going to break, can you just be broken? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'd rather you be broken 100% of the time than 10% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> because that 10% is really, really irritating. Yeah. And then when we try to figure out what is wrong, we have no idea. Oh, it's a, it's not a good situation. <laughs> Yeah, and I thought the Gen 3 situation was bad. <laughs> uh, maybe we should just get rid of all the timed events and just just switch to, like, FMC and multi-blind. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. Just use stopwatches. I mean, FMC is a timed event. 
let's just switch to one hour time defense. <laughs> <laughs> so multi FMC. Remove every other event. <laughs> this is our new WCA now. It's it's the new world order. <laughs> <laughs> it's our time now. That's right. That's right. I mean, one thing that could be done, um, it would definitely change how... Because one of the issues is that Speedstacks has a very solid patent mm -hmm. on what they call touch timers, where you start them by touching sensors, basically. Okay. That's not to say we couldn't create a timer where there was just like a pad where you placed the cube down to stop the timer. Mm. Mm -hmm. Although then it becomes tricky because you can be still doing moves on the cube... Like as you place it on the pad or whatever, so that becomes really tricky because then you have, then you have to have judges that really pay attention to make sure that they are like not applying moves after they've placed the cube on the mat or whatever. I wonder if like using a touch screen could get around that somehow, like using a timer software on a touch screen device somehow. Yeah. Yeah, do we want to just start, like, plugging, like, just having phones be our timing devices? Ha have two and, phones, like, have... and those right. are your touchpads, and they're, like, connected somehow. <laughs> yeah, sue me now. <laughs> it's not going to be expensive at all to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a tricky situation. I don't know how best to get out of it, but it's it's terrible how bad some of the equipment is currently. At least it's not doing what your your conspiracy theory thought it was, though. Yeah, I mean, that's... Because that would ruin everything. <laughs> yeah, that would be like, oh, well, I guess the last year of cubing is is now irrelevant. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I mean, it, most records at least have videos, and you could at least, like, time them to make sure they're right. But it's like, you know, we don't we care mo more than about just records. Yeah, like... It's... If, if it's... Like, there is, uh, like, you know, there's differences between, like, quantity and quality, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Like, the, having the records is probably more important. But right. when the quantity is literally every solve, it's, it, yeah. <laughs> All right. I got a topic. Cool. Are you going to do a, uh, a good bridge transition into it? I got a topic. I got a topic. <laughs> this is my bridge transition for this topic. <laughs> All right, I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to help this transition out. So, Kit! <laughs> Podcasts! Uh, podcasts are a thing, sure. Um, and you know what you talk about on podcasts? Uh, pickles. Why don't you tell that was the wrong answer, but we can talk about that if you want. <laughs> Um, so I gotta, I gotta level with you, Andrew. There's a reason we have official competitions. Correct. Because we want to make sure that people are, you know, competing under the same conditions and not, especially not conditions that you make up for yourself. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of online competitions, but I, in reality, I mean, I made a lot of people put a lot of value into, you know, people's results from online competitions. And personally, I really don't uh, see the value in them. And at least, I mean, I see the value, in, I guess, okay, that was poor phrasing. I see the value in them, but I don't see the value in putting a lot of stock into the results from them. Yeah. Especially if there's like no videos or whatever for like speed solves that go along with them. 
But even then, videos can be prepared, too. So, um, it's a tricky situation. I want to specifically talk about FMC, though, where there's not a lot of videos. Mm -hmm. So, there's this Facebook group that runs a weekly competition, Fewest Moves. And Speed Solving does weekly competitions. Uh, there's a bunch of new other websites that have popped up, too. I think, like, it was, like, fewestmoves.info or something like that. Mm-hmm. I've never done that one, but I've definitely heard of it. And it seems like a very well put together website. I just never have n more. <laughs> I only have time for like three solves at most in a given week. So yeah. I just do speed solving. Getting a little off topic here. The main th one thing I wanted to bring up is that there's been recently I've noticed. It seems like too many results that are too good, especially in that Facebook contest. I'm about to kind of put my tinfoil hat on now and not take it off. <laughs> Like, so, um, <laughs> like basically week after week, the, the FMC mean world record is 24. Literally every week there are five or six people who regularly attend competitions, maybe not necessarily with FMC means, but they've had, you know, many people have had FMC means recently and they come nowhere close to getting sub 24. Mm -hmm. And there's people that break it week after week. And... You know, comp nerves are a thing. Not so much in FMC, though. You don't really have to go for speed. You know, it's you get a, it. There's a little more leeway. There's a, there's a little more leeway with nerves in FMC than say a speed solving event, especially like quick events where nerves can like literally ruin an entire solve. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, I I get like the nervous shits all the time when I do FMC <laughs> in comp. So I mean, I get it. Nerves are a factor in official comp, sure. Um, but there, there's been a lot of people who have just had really, really good results. Um, and it makes me wonder if, you know, they're taking more than an hour to do attempts or, you know, other things. I don't know. Yeah, that's the only way I could really imagine that happening. Because it's like, they have, like, human solutions, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they get a really cool skeleton that's like, you know, 10 to, you know, 5 corners three edges and they spend you know 45 minutes just trying to do like the right first insertion on it so they get a good solution yeah something like um, that yeah and it's like you talk to a lot of people and like whether they've actually done these crazy new skeletons in competition and some people do it don't get me wrong there's a lot of people that do it but it's a lot rarer in comp that from what i've noticed than it is on these online contests mm -hmm. So it really just makes me wonder if people are taking more than an hour on a lot of these online competitions and just kind of not saying that they did. There's one person in particular whose name I will not mention because I am not trying to start a lynch mob. It may have sounded like I was trying to do that, but I'm not. Um, I don't want this to be like an accusatory thing where I th I'm saying people are cheating. But I was curious because one person in particular stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and this person, basically it is a statistical analysis, because that's the kind of thing that I do. Um, <laughs> Nerd. And um, to kind of explain the idea behind the statistical analysis, um, let's say, let's, let's do something a little simpler. Andrew, I gave you a coin. Yeah. And I told you, flip it 16 times. I put it into a vending machine. All right. I gave you another coin. <laughs> Ooh. And I told you to flip it 16 times. All right, I put it into a vending machine again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, 
I give you a non-legal tender coin. Ooh, okay. Uh, yeah, all right. I'll flip it 16 times. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> so you got heads on all 16 flips. Mm-hmm. That's correct. I also got a Pop-Tart. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So because you got heads on all 16 flips, can you say with certainty that this coin is fair? That is, it's, you know, coming up with heads and tails results 50% of the time? Uh, I would be doubtful of that. You'd be doubtful, but you couldn't say for certain. Right. Yeah. I couldn't right. say for certain one way or another. Seems right. very unlikely to happen, but, you know, it could. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you can be, you, you probably have to flip coins for a very long time to get a sequence of 16 heads in a row. Mm-hmm. It would happen eventually. <laughs> like, flip enough coins and you'll get there. Um, but, you know, out of the blue from start, flipping a coin 16 times and getting 16 heads is pretty unlikely. So one thing in statistics that we do is calculate how unlikely a particular result is. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case, it would be 1 over 2 to the 16th power. Yep, that's a small number. <laughs> right, it's uh, something of, to the order of 10 to the negative 5. Okay, So yeah. incredibly, incredibly small probability that you would grab a coin that's fair, flip it 16 times, and get 16 heads. So in statistics, we wouldn't say for certain that it's an unfair coin, but um, we would, you know, through testing in this sense, we, we conducted a statistical hypothesis test. We would say that the hypothesis that this is a fair coin is a bad hypothesis. Mm-hmm. Very unlikely okay. to be something that would actually happen if it were fair, basically. Right? Exactly. Okay. Yes. So that's that's sort of the principle, one major principle of testing in statistics. And what I did is something similar with this person's data. Um, what I did, and these methods, you know, apply not just to coin flips where you have like two outcomes and a probability. It can also apply to numerical data too. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I did, um, this person had uh, some number of solves online on online competitions I grabbed them from a variety of sources, not going to say which, because I, again, I don't want this, I don't want to identify who I'm talking about. And I looked at their results in competition, uh, and basically did a comparison similar to like, kind of saying like, this is a weird result because like, just looking at the data, um, this person was doing three moves better online than they were in competition for all solves over the same time period. But is three moves better? Could that have just happened even if they were solving with the same conditions, let's say? That's our hypothesis. Are they solving under the same conditions or are the conditions different? Mm -hmm. Similar to, is this a fair coin or an unfair coin? So I I did the calculations on this. Um, And this person, there was a 1.5% chance that you would have seen this much of a difference just by random chance, if they were competing under the same conditions. I should also mention that this did not include a DNF that happened in competition as well. 
because that would like there you can't even use that with your numerical data basically yeah i can't numerically analysis it i can't do a numerical analysis of a dnf i don't i mean i could arbitrarily set some high value like a 40 or a 45 to it but then it becomes really subjective mm-hmm. so um i just decided to throw it out and just kind of say like here's this probability oh hey no i didn't even consider this I could probably throw like a 30 in it and it would make the, the probability even stronger because <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um the point here is that um it really seems like there are differences with this person's results. And that being said, this different conditions could be comp nerves. Yeah, I mean, and also just like there are definitely things that could explain it, like being at home, you're just generally more comfortable, you you have you know maybe you're used to the lighting even i don't know (laughs) but yeah and i will say that too with these sort of probability tests that um you know obviously this person did a lot more online solves than in comp solves and whenever you have a low sample size it makes it really hard to show a difference Mm -hmm. um at least statistically through probabilities um but even with the limited data that i had it was already saying that it was only a one and a half percent chance. Yeah. And if I were to update this data, say based on whatever their next comp results are, very potential that probability will shoot straight down to like fractions of a percent. And given the fact that a three move difference on average between home and competition solving, that's pretty, I mean, that's, that that has real meaning like in terms of like getting being three moves better is not like you know something to sneeze at mm-hmm. um because there's this whole di- idea in statistics of like statistical significance versus practical significance that if you have just a ton of data um that you can see that like e- even if your your data is only off by say like say like this person's like half a move better in at home than in competition mm-hmm. but you have you use their literal like entire history of solves online and in competition which is like let's say it's like thousands of solves which i don't think anyone has but let's <laughs> pretend it is yeah um with a lot of data it's going to be like oh yeah, yeah yeah seeing that much of a difference totally couldn't have happened by random chance but like a half move difference I don't know if that really means much. Yeah. Um, so you have to kind of weigh the probability versus also the literal difference. And here, both of those are pretty damning to me. So that being said, uh, I'd love to have more data. And I'd also be remiss to say that it could be factors that are not related to cheating. Yeah, it could be unintentional. Yes. So, I don't know. I still feel really weird about it. I don't know what your thoughts are about people doing online competitions. Yeah, I mean, I think online competitions are, like, a good thing in general just for learning. Like, looking at other people's solves. Even if it is something where they took longer than the time limit, it still can be something to learn from. Uh, Oh, absolutely. No, and I I think that our plus attempts are great for practicing FMC. I'm not trying to, like, poo-poo on them, but I also just think that you know, for online competitions, the hour-long FMCs, or that you should only take an hour, or at least if you do take more than an hour on a competition, like, don't submit anything beyond that hour. Yeah. Yeah. 
so like, I, I think treat that... it as a one hour attempt and then look for fun after mm-hmm. yeah i i think that it's uh like they're a good thing to exist and i mean there's not really a way to stop people from cheating yeah uh but i guess i don't know maybe if they know that people like you are going to be snooping around in their results <laughs> maybe this will help discourage people <laughs> yeah i don't know if it'll really make a difference but um i know i'm not the only one with this opinion um because i've definitely brought it up to other fmcers before too mm-hmm. who also think that it's just really fishy yeah i yeah there have been many times when i've thought that about people's results in online competitions and sometimes i mean obviously you can never know for sure unless they'd mm-hmm. like admit it but uh right there have been times when i've then seen that person's results in in like competition or just like in person or whatever and been like oh yeah no okay that's fine but then there have been other times that definitely have not been substantiated by their competition results right and let me let me be clear this doesn't really affect me i don't not really right, yeah. care <laughs> if people are doing this I think that, honestly, the people who are doing this should care more because, um, to some extent, I think that by putting results like that out there, if you are not competing honestly, puts a lot of expectations on you, Mm -hmm. um, which leads to you being more nervous in a real comp setting. Yeah. (laughs) Because you want to live up to the expectations that you have potentially falsely set for yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I, if people are honest when they're doing these sorts of things, great. I don't want to stop anyone from doing, you know, these events or feel like they should be ashamed of, you know, their good results. Because, you know, if, you, if you're doing it honestly, awesome. Um, I would, re- if you know, honestly, if people were, if all these real results were honest, that's incredible. And I'd love to finally see the record, you know, get broken officially. Mm-hmm. I'm just suspicious. And I think that people would be better off themselves if they weren't actually treating the competition online like it was an official competition just for their own sake of their own expectations and others expectations and the nerves that come with that so i've been playing a game a lot recently andrew oh have you yeah you heard of this tetris 99 game i have i love that game you do yeah i've never played it have you played it no oh i just (laughs) just just watch watch northern lion oh okay so you've been watching like streamers play it yeah well just one honestly (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've been watching streams of it too just because i want to get better at the game Mm -hmm. i've had a handful of wins now i think it's like eight or nine i think okay yeah that's respectable um yeah i mean i've played i think almost 500 games but it means like i'm better than average like if you consider like because there's like 99 ish people playing you should win one out of every 99 games or so yeah to be like so i'm above average at the game i guess is what that means that makes sense um (laughs) that aside though um it kind of had me thinking um like it's really interesting that tetris could become a battle royale game (laughs) Yeah, we, because, like, we, wait, we should explain it, probably what it is, because I don't think we did. Right, and that's, yeah, I was going to get into that. Okay, so, go for it. Like, so Fortnite, for example, like, one of the big mechanics of, you know, a, you know, 100 free-for-all sort of game, um, a 100-person free-for-all sort of game, is that there has to be some mechanics of, you know, obtaining, like, stuff that gives you more power. 
Yeah, it's a big, um, like, from the PUBG kind of, like, that was mm-hmm. what started it with the whole idea of, like, you drop yes. with nothing, you get a bunch of loot, and then you kill people. And that's right, been the right. formula that's been, like, rinsed and repeated for, like, so many games now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the idea of just sort of being placed into a game where you have to pick up loot and then you know you have this asymmetric game with asymmetric situations because like you might be a really good player in a disadvantage disadvantageous situation Mm -hmm. and you know often almost always the winner of a battle royale or a you know this this free-for-all style gameplay is not necessarily the best player yeah it's it's like if you're the best player you have a better chance to win but not Right, like, the the best player will have a very good chance of finishing, like, top 10. Yeah. But uh, often, you know, you just get unlucky with sort of the things you pick up along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is a good thing. It's healthy for Battle Royale kind of games um, because people who are below average at the game can get a top ranking and feel like, ooh, I did really well that game. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's like, it kind of hooks you in to be like, oh, I wonder if I can win one. And the thing is that if you didn't have this random element to it, like say like people dropped in PUBG or Fortnite with the same equipment. Oh yeah. And like never got stronger by finding things or killing other people or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, The game would be won by the best players nearly consistently. And what would happen is you would just not never have enough people to play the game. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you need a hundred people to start the game. Yeah. And if you don't get that many people, then, you know, it's just then, you know, people stop playing the game and then, yeah, the whole thing cascades out. So it's like, you know, not great if you're like, you know, someone who places a high importance on skill. um, Because like, yeah, you know, you're going to lose a bunch of games to, you know, people who are clearly worse than you at the game just because they happen to run into good items or things like that. But that's what keeps players to keep playing the game there's a lot of interesting elements that go into that sort of thing and it makes you wonder how does tetris accomplish this of all games like tetris is such a skill-based game i mean granted there's a little bit of rng when it comes to which pieces you get um but even in most uh, multiplayer tetrises now they randomize the piece order so it's the same for every player okay i was actually wondering if they did that but they did okay yeah they do that in tetris 99 um so, yeah, everybody gets the same piece order. So it's like, sure, there's RNG, but everyone got the same RNG. And maybe, <laughs> I don't know, maybe one person can handle a certain piece order better than another person. Um, but, yeah, for the most part, it's like, how do you get these elements where it's kind of a fun free-for-all that anyone can pick up and do reasonably well at, even without a good amount of skill? Mm-hmm. And the way Tetris does it is kind of interesting. What they have is this weird attacking system. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's it's hard to describe. It's so weird. But um, basically, like, when you're playing Tetris, there's all of the 98 other players are on the screen. <laughs> and you can see tiny little Tetris boards of all these people. And the basic way you attack someone is, like, you on the touchscreen tap their board and you are attacking them. So you can... You know, look through all of the boards and calculate while you're playing a Tetris game who's the best person to attack. Mm-hmm. And you might be like, okay, well, I got to play a Tetris game too. I want to look through, you know, a, a list of 90 plus people to figure out who to attack. I'll just pick someone random. 
and one of the preset attack modes is random people. So that is one thing you can do is just have it randomly pick whoever you want to attack. Because there, there are like four actually, options, right? For Yes, there are four options. For auto-targeting. Um, yes. Um, the other one is attacking, which is basically means that you were attacking everybody who is currently attacking you. That's the only one that you can attack multiple people, right? Correct. That's the only situation where you can at- attack multiple people. Um, and it's quite nice uh, because, you know, it by dumb luck, there might just be a lot of people attacking you randomly. Yeah. And it's a good defense mechanism. Uh, one of one of and there's more defense mechanisms actually in this game than just that. Um, Doesn't it kind of also happen though that like everyone will be attacking you, so you go start attacking attackers to try to like get them off of you, but then they start attacking attackers. Like you can kind of get in a cycle there. Yeah, somewhat. Um, generally, I want as many people to be attacking me as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll get into the why later. Um, <laughs> so. The other two attacking modes are you can attack people who are near death, so you can try to get a KO in this game. And it just and the algorithm just like figures out who that is. Yeah, the algorithm will figure out like who is closest to death at the time you set this setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, the idea is that KOs are good in Tetris because the more KOs you acquire, you get their badges. So basically, every player starts with a badge. Um, which is like their attack power, basically. And when you knock someone out, you take their badges. Just kind of like when you kill someone in Fortnite, you get all their stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you kill someone who's, you know, a scrub and hasn't really killed anyone or picked up anything good, you're not going to get much from it. But if you, you know, take out a big player who's killed a lot of people, you're going to get a lot of reward from it. So that's where the fourth attack mode comes in, which is badges, which attacks people with the most badges currently. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the four attacking modes and basically the one that matters most is attacking (laughs) because here's the deal. Tetris, there's garbage that you can send by doing good things in Tetris, like T-spins or Tetrises or, um, you know, just Just clearing clearing lines lines in general. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's mostly just T-spins and clearing lines. (laughs) Um, but, um, or combos, actually. Combos are, mm-hmm. like, where you just break line in success, break some amount of lines in successive pieces. Yeah. Uh, what is interesting, though, about this is that, um, so you deal a set amount of damage for every attack. It gets increased by many factors, one of which is the number of badges you have. It also gets increased depending on how high your stack is. So if you're near death, um, you'll do more damage. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure about that one. Um, but I, what I know is true is that the more people attacking you, the more damage you do. Oh, really? Yes. So there's a lot of interesting metas that have evolved by this rule set where you basically force yourself to the to stack literally to the heavens immediately. Uh-huh. Um, one thing I like to do is just basically create one big well for setting up a Tetris Mm -hmm. get like make a stack that literally goes over the edge on like the left side or something. And so that doesn't like block your incoming piece. Mm -hmm. And on the right edge, I have a well. And as soon as I get a line piece with like 
a sufficiently high stack. I just let it slowly trickle down the well. And then that buys a lot of time where people might select KOs or, you know, attack oh, yeah. the weakest so you, person you put option. yourself really high up, so it's like you're going to die soon. But you're not really yes. going to die soon because you've got this piece in waiting. Yeah, I've got, like, a Tetris, which will block any incoming attacks and also send... Like, if if I am maxed out, it can send as many as 20 lines of damage to people. Yeah, wow. So basically, I play this game in a way where, like, I might get, like, 95th for three straight games or something <laughs> stupid like that because I just kill myself trying to set this up. Yeah. Um, But it's worth it because if you rack up the KOs early, you start to deal more damage. Mm-hmm. Um, in the very late game, the pieces start coming down really fast. But if you have badges, it's not quite as fast. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. There's so many um, layers so yeah. to this that I haven't learned just by watching streamers. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So they, what they did is they they took a game which is so incredibly skill-based mm-hmm. that is purely, like, when you play head-to-head Tetris, it's it's a even game. Yeah. But they added all these elements that's, like, badges replacing, like, you know, good guns in Fortnite and this whole attacking system that creates this sort of asymmetric game, kind of like how when you drop in Fortnite, you could be out on an island, you know, with nobody near you, which is kind of like a situation where nobody's attacking you. But you could also be placed in, you know, a cluster of other people, and if you kill, like, four or five of them really early, you're at a huge advantage. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that they created a rule set that works for taking a purely skill-based sort of game and creating a battle royale yeah that's interesting and not just going to the best player every time i will say though that there are some players who are so good that they still basically do win every time uh, like wombo yeah wombo is the one i'm thinking of <laughs> he has like what like yeah. a 98 percent win rate or something <laughs> yeah it's absurd but i mean he's yeah he the kind the, the style of tetris the, the new tetris style he's been doing for so long and like he doesn't he, he just literally plays the same way, not even like, I mean, he does, a, he learns a little bit of, you know, Tetris 99 strategy, but he basically can win purely on his own skill. Yeah, because like, if Very you're just clearing strategy. lines fast enough, you never get sent anything because you just clear it before it gets to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, to some extent, yes, like really, really, really good people almost always win. I don't know what that's like in Fortnite, if there's people in Fortnite that have that high of a win percentage. I doubt it. Certainly not that high, but there are some people who get very high, but not not like that. Yeah, but it, it's very interesting to me that, you know, given that it was it, it started as a game where it's pure skill wins almost all the time, mm-hmm. that it turned into a game with a lot of similar characteristics as Fortnite or any Battle Royale yeah. game. All of this lengthy setup leads me to a question, Andrew. Uh, shoot. Wait, actually, Cubing. wait, 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 wait. First, I put it mm-hmm. in a vending machine. <laughs> okay. Um, don't think that applies. Oh, darn. But okay. <laughs> cubing is a very skill-oriented game. Yeah. In some ways. Both in that it's skill-oriented and both that it's a game. Um, <laughs> so, um, how do you throw 100 cubers into a room... And make it a battle royale uh, about cubing. So I I actually, like, when I first started watching Tetris 99, I had this exact same thought. I didn't really oh, yeah. pursue it at all. So I'll just give you the best okay. answer I've come up with, which is to give them all dodgeballs. No <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
What's that? To give them all dodgeballs and combine it with dodge cubing <laughs> as well. <laughs> so basically, you just make it dodge cubing. Yeah, but Got like a hundred person free for all dodge cubing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sounds like a great idea. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't know. It's because like what makes Tetris 99 works, or at least part of it, is that it's automated, right? Like it's all like a computer handles all of the all of the stuff. Right. Yeah, it's like you would need this to be like a high games kind of simulator or something if it were to work. Mm-hmm. Or like using like a Geeker cube or some other electronic cube. Yeah, that's what I was do, thinking. Like... It would either be an electronic cube or you could use a simulator like keyboard typing to solve the cube. Or it would be done with like yeah, like a, a Geeker or some other smart cube mm-hmm. sort of system, which would be really interesting if they if someone did create like a battle royale rule set where people connected with their smart cubes mm-hmm. that would be kind of dope i what's i guess the other thing is what is the player interaction element because that's definitely necessary um in tetris you send lines of garbage to people what do you do in cubing do you just send them more cubes to solve do you i don't yeah. like i don't know i don't know either and, and like what knocks somebody out yeah like does uh, maybe maybe every cuber has like a clock or something okay so like you give everyone like a timer that like starts at like i don't know like 60 seconds or something mm-hmm. and completing cubes give like will add to your time while subtracting to other people's times but we have to add other elements like what like like i don't know if there's some way that like you can create like equivalent to like tea spinning or whatever like say like you do a skip or something and you can for then like it becomes an art of like forcing skips yeah that gets into some really weird stuff though like yeah where like yeah but like you can imagine doing damage to other people's times timers yeah by like forcing skips and things like that maybe it could be more about efficiency because then it's like oh, i don't know yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. It's it's really like I feel like this can't exist IRL. Like probably we not. couldn't make this a Nats mystery event with a hundred people and come up with a rule set that that's battle royale style that's purely about solving cubes. Yeah, I mean, unless maybe maybe we could do something like taking the physical space into more consideration. Um, mm-hmm. Like if we add some other physical component to it, like not necessarily going as far as combining it with dodge cubing. But uh, I, I don't know. I just feel like having people physically moving around in a space could somehow help with this. Yeah, I wonder if, like, every... Say, like, you have 100 different people with, like, five cubes. I don't know what the right number is, but say, like, they have a certain number of cubes. And three of them start solved and two of them start scrambled. Mm-hmm. What's, or, I don't know, maybe, maybe four and one. I don't know. Some balance like that. So this could give the element of, like, you can attack other people by scrambling their cubes. But then it just kind of comes down to whoever's... Well, it kind of comes down to whoever's fastest. But then, like, if you know someone's fast, there's probably going to be, like, a bunch of people ganging up on all their cubes. Yeah, it does sort of have a self-balancing effect. Um, yeah. I, I wonder, some maybe, extent. like... Okay, so maybe you have some scrambled cubes and you attack people by solving their cubes. I feel like that could work better, so that, like, the attacking takes the skill. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so like defending is scrambling your cubes. Yeah, I think it'd become too easy to defend at that point. Probably. Though. What? Well, okay, maybe like 
maybe instead of each maybe person this is having... two by two <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh maybe, maybe you have like everyone has an individual or there's various like stores of cubes around the room Mm-hmm. And like maybe you can make it more of like an area defense kind of thing. Like you can take over a store of cubes by doing something, but then it can be contested by other people. Uh, hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. It would probably work best as like a simulator thing online. I think so too. Just because you can have a lot of other fun elements that could be added in there as well. Yeah. Like, I don't know, doing, like, sexy times six, like, takes two seconds off someone's clock. I don't know. <laughs> or, or, like, um, like, in, like when you attack people, it could you could, like, mess with them. Like, you could turn off, like, half of the stickers on their cube or something. Right, and, just... and that would prevent it from being an electronic cube, or, like, a smart cube. It would have to be, like, a purely electronic cube. Yeah, or, like, some yeah. kind of really futuristic cube that has, like, LEDs on every face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I don't know, that doesn't seem too far off. Yeah, I don't know. I'd be very if uh, you know this is a this is definitely a good discussion thread. I'd be interested to see what um, our listeners think would be good ways to set up a battle royale for Cuba. Yeah. I think I'm just gonna leave it at that because I think we're gonna be just spinning our wheels for a little too long if we spend too much more time on this. But we'd love to hear what other people think is a good battle royale rule set mm-hmm. for that for cubing. Yeah, and then if, if someone comes up with something good, maybe we can make it a thing like we did with dodge cubing and still yeah, definitely I mean, planning on doing more with. <laughs> I, I, I know someone on the inside for nationals, so. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Maybe maybe we can talk to this somebody we know. Yeah, that's <laughs> good chance. Yeah, because, I mean, that'd be kind of fun to do. if Assuming the rules were good, I think it could be really fun to do where, like, I don't know, the, the top 100 from 3x3 three three round 1 qualify Saturday night to do a battle royale. If it is on, like, a simulator, that would be interesting, because that would balance things out. <laughs> I wonder if people would practice for it. Yeah, I think that in person, the only sort of balance you can have is just, like, people teaming up on really fast people. Yeah, that's kind of not fun for those fast people then, because it's like, then it's like, oh, no, I'm just guaranteed to lose if there's enough people. <laughs> but yeah, if you have rule ideas, throw them out there. Yeah. We're, da- we're down. Andrew. Yeah. The qualification style that's been, you know, becoming more common recently is not a specific time that you have to meet, mm-hmm. uh, but you have to be among the best X competitors ranked in that event. Okay. Like of the people who signed up or, or no, just in the world? Yeah, of the, peop- of the people who signed up. Okay. Um, which is interesting because um, this gets into an interesting situation. So let's currently for fewest moves, it's 180 people that the the best 180 solvers are allowed to do fewest moves at this comp. Is and by yeah. this comp you mean for worlds? Sorry, <laughs> I don't think I you, should probably. Yeah, I don't think you that. said that yet. <laughs> <laughs> so this is worlds, by the way. <laughs> um, and at worlds, they're allowing the best 180 people to do the comp mm-hmm. for FMC. Okay, so um, what's interesting about this is that, um, you know, this is a lot of people. And consider the situation that, say, you know, the thousand people that sign up for World's competitor limit that only, like, 170 choose FMC, Mm -hmm. and 20 of them have never done FMC before. Yeah. Like, it seems natural that you would just let them do it because you said you'd be willing to let 180 people do it. Mm -hmm. But now imagine there's... 
you know, like 29 people that were new. Mm. So it's 179 total. <laughs> I see where this is going. So it's like still fine. But now add a couple more. So there's 31 people who have never done FMC. And there's 181 total. So then they all can't compete, right? Because there's no way to choose. That's so. That's what I would think, right? Because um, you know, you're allowing the top 180 people to compete, mm-hmm. and you know, including everybody would be the top 181 people to compete. Yeah. So that doesn't fly <laughs> because that doesn't meet your qualification standard. But you know, how do you choose which new competitor to to you know? pluck out and not do fmc you really can't um (laughs) so you have to just get rid of all of them but does this create a prisoner's dilemma so it's like you can either say so you haven't competed before if you sign up nobody wins if you don't sign up you don't win (laughs) and by win i mean get to compete Right, so it's kind of like, you know, if, if there's exactly 181 people signed up for FMC and if you've never done it before, you can't compete. But if you don't sign up, you also can't compete, <laughs> clearly. But 30 other people could. Yeah. So this is what makes it sort of a prisoner's dilemma. It's like, do you, like, agree, like, do you play friendly or whatever? Although, what's funny is that it's not quite a prisoner's dilemma because, like, if everybody plays friendly in this game nobody wins it's the same as everybody you know signing up for the event yeah because either way they can't do it (laughs) but you know on a one person scale like if you don't consider like the interaction between everybody you can see it as like well i'm at least maximizing the greater good i just i just watched recently a vsauce 2 video about something very similar to this i think what the correct thing to do in this situation is to be super rational. Okay. So it's like, if everyone acts rationally and they just want to increase their own chance of competing, you sign up, right? Because otherwise there's no chance you won't. Mm-hmm. But if everyone signs up, then, then nobody gets to compete. The super rational thing to do is to mm-hmm. use a probability to determine whether or not mm-hmm. you sign up. That way, like, say you know that um, like there are 30 people who want to do it and only 20 of them are would be able to right yeah then so that's two-thirds um so so you say okay there's a two-thirds chance i'll sign up um i don't know if you would actually want to do exactly two-thirds because then you could go over accidentally even if everyone did obey the probability um but you know you set some probability around there you determine that for yourself and it's like okay i i got this probability i'm gonna sign up or i'm going to not and you have to obey that um, mm-hmm. even though the rational thing is sign up no matter what, that doesn't work. Right. But if, if ever, if you assume that instead of everyone being rational, everyone is super rational. Now there's a probability, there's, there's a probability that you can make it rather than a guarantee that you won't. Right. Which I mean, is such a weird concept that by like forcing yourself to use a probability, it gives you a better chance of winning than, <laughs> than guaranteeing that you at least have a chance but you don't really have a chance (laughs) yeah that's definitely really weird yeah go watch the i'm gonna find the video so that i can put it in the show notes that people actually get a better idea of what i'm talking about (laughs) (laughs) because i'm sure i didn't do a great job of explaining it it's called no i i i kind of get what you're saying but i could definitely see how 
like I imagine many listeners were just kind of like, yeah, you said words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll just put a, I'll put a link to it. It's called Mr. Beast's Million Dollar Dilemma. I think I hope this is the right video. I'm not I'm not just putting some random video in. What what's a little bit different though is that it's not like people have already signed up for the event. It would be more like a probability that they drop out. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, um, and but, but I think the that, biggest factor is that people aren't thinking about this prisoner's dilemma. Right. Okay. Yeah. And that's the, that I think is kind of like the core problem with super rationality mm-hmm. is that people won't be super rational. So if you are super rational, you're guaranteeing that you don't get it, but you're already guaranteed not to get it. So like <laughs> in, so that's the, that's, yeah, that's the interesting thing. It's like, if you know someone else is going to do something, then you're going to act this way. But if they know you're going to act that way, then they're going to act differently. So you both have to be super rational, but you can't right. decide to be super rational because you don't know they're going to be super rational. And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's a whole and endless. There's cycle. also a lot of other factors too, in that like, you know, are you doing this like five minutes before registration closes? So mm-hmm. you're pretty sure there won't be any other changes besides your own. Yeah. <laughs> um, but is everyone yeah, else so... doing that too? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there, there's a lot of weird, weird situations that pop up because of this. Yeah. That's actually, it, it's, it's a topic I find really interesting. Yeah. And if you find this interesting, you should take a course in game theory. That's yeah, that's true. <laughs> Very much a game theory problem. Yeah. Which uh, is a part of economics. Yep. So... Yeah. That was a course I really wanted to take as an undergrad, but I just didn't have the time to do it. Mm. Is is the world's thing, is that how they're handling it? Like, if 180 people sign up, then they get to compete even if they haven't before? Because I feel like the much cleaner way from an organizational standpoint is the top 180 people who have competed before can do it. Yeah, I mean, that that's cleaner, but it, the thing is it makes sense that like if only 170 people sign up and you said 180 people could compete, why exclude anyone? Yeah you know yeah what (laughs) yeah because it's top among people it's top number of people among those who sign up true yeah (laughs) and it's like clearly you're in the top number of those among those who signed up because (laughs) there's less than that um so i mean from that perspective it's like why would you exclude them that like it's it's kind of like an unnecessary exclusion of competitors Mm -hmm. right yeah but it is kind of a weird consequence (laughs) Yeah. So is that how they're doing it? Like they will? Is is this a real problem know. that people are going to have? Um, I don't know. If if it is, I encourage you to try your best to be super super rational. <laughs> <laughs> we need to contact all these people and send them this video. Yeah. <laughs> and this podcast and the current world's registration list. Right. <laughs> have fun. <laughs> Um, currently it's pretty close to that situation. There's 163 people that are signed up who have some result out of 184 people signed up. Hmm. Okay. That's going to get bigger though. And I imagine eventually there will be 180 plus ranked people. Mm-hmm. So this won't matter anyways. Um, but I mean, registration's kind of slowed for worlds recently. I think they just crossed 800. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, been in the 700s for a couple months now. Okay. So, I don't know. Maybe it's pretty stable. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's going to be a weird situation. Uh, maybe. Yeah. If you if you know those people who are signed up, tell them to listen <laughs> to the podcast. 
This isn't, That's I right. promise this isn't just like a weird guerrilla marketing technique <laughs> for our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I just was looking at the world registration list, scrolled to the bottom of the FMC psych sheet and was like, how do we market to these people? <laughs> this is our target audience. People trying FMC yeah. for the first time at Worlds. <laughs> Right, because we talk about FMC so much in this podcast. Yeah, and like what events should be at Worlds and organizing competitions. It's perfect. Yeah, to be fair, we ha- this is our second FMC-related topic today. But, yep, um... and there are more to come. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andrew, you have an FMC-related topic for me? Yeah. <laughs> I do. I, uh, I wanted to give a shout-out to our friend and yours, Mr. Walker Welch. Uh, forgetting uh, he's not my friend. The, the, for getting the first North American 21 in competition. I'm offended you think he's my friend. Uh, everyone's favorite person named Walker Welch, probably. It don't speak for me. You're, you're, <laughs> let alone everyone, don't speak for me. Jeez. Uh, everyone's favorite North American who has an official 21 in competition? Well, we can't argue with that. <laughs> yeah i mean i just wanted to talk about this because it's really weird like we had an 18 we've had a 19 we've had lots of 20s but mm-hmm. only one twenty one. Lots of 22s as well yeah tons of 22s but yeah we skipped over 21 for quite a while yeah for a long time <laughs> and it wasn't part of a meme yep <laughs> there's a someone made a poll about that in the facebook group like who would get the first 21 i think i voted mm-hmm. for you but then in the comment i was like but it won't be part of a meme so i got part of that correct <laughs> Yeah, and I voted for Walker. Yep. <laughs> so, score. <laughs> uh, but, um, I mean, I it, I think someone also said it would be me, and I was just kind of like, or maybe it was you that said that, but I just kind of agreed that, like, yeah, that would be the way I would get a 21. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and then, of course, I DNF'd my most recent FMC best of one. <laughs> Um, because of erasable pens oh yeah oh man you should add that as a topic not for today but (laughs) i want to hear more about that yeah yeah best of one is just stupid yeah can we can we i don't know it's like imagine imagine doing i don't know like two by two best of one in a competition (laughs) uh that's just such a great idea isn't it it's been done (laughs) yeah i know well it can't be done anymore Oh, really i didn't even know yep and that leads us to our wreck of the (laughs) day i mean maybe (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't be opposed i mean that is a a reg that could be used for the wreck of the day because i you know but i mean i have a reg prepared already so you know (laughs) This is a nice segue, but I should probably stick to the reg that I prepared. <laughs> Definitely. I look at the show notes and it still has the reg from last time. <laughs> Irrelevant. The reg of the day is all <laughs> upstairs, my friend. Oh, <laughs> uh, you'll have to go get it then. <laughs> well, unfortunately, there's no stairs in my apartment. <laughs> so I guess I'll have to find some stairs. I feel like this is going to turn into, like, one of those pun riddles. Like, you know, you're in a room with a locked door and a piano. Like, how do you get out? And you have to, like, take a key out of the piano, you know? But it's like, it's like you have your eyes 
and a thing in the attic, but no stairs. How do you do it? Well, you just stare at the wall, and then you stare at another part of the wall. Now you have stairs, and you can and you can climb up. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> Boo! That's terrible. <laughs> That's so bad. I love it so much. Uh, man, I made a great cubing joke on Facebook one time recently. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. So the WCA made a post about um, like their reg of the day because they think they're so cool and can steal our ideas. I think it was like oh, reg. That's of the week what or that whatever. thing I put in the regulation or in the show notes was. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, they stole our idea. Yeah. Clearly. It was definitely our idea. Yeah, all right, let's talk about this. I put this in the show notes, and I was like, what the heck am I referring to with this? (laughs) Oh, my God. So, um, the reg of the day. Um, They did a reg of the week, that is. Um, and it was something about like, you know, that the, anything written on a scorecard can be the worst possible interpretation. Mm -hmm. So like, if it's unclear, take the worst of the two numbers, basically. Yep. I don't know what what was, I made a comment on that or first I think it was Zach White made a comment that was like at Europe (laughs) (laughs) because, um, I don't know. Not that Europe is wrong. Europeans, right? They're ones that look like sevens to Americans. Yeah, their ones look like sevens, and their nines look like Gs (laughs) sometimes, too. Especially in Eastern Europe. Yeah. Um, So I made a a comment in response to Zach that said, uh, I got GG problems, but European handwriting ain't seven. (laughs) Oh, that's really good. (laughs) Yeah. I, I was proud of I that. I feel one. like I think I saw that because I was, you know, I was looking at that post because I had to tell them that they stole our idea. Uh, I think mm-hmm. I saw that and I didn't, I thought you just like that was a typo or something. <laughs> <laughs> I get it now though. <laughs> no, the G was a totally, totally intense. <laughs> you were just like, yeah, I guess G and 9 are kind of close on the keyboard. So. <laughs> yeah, they're only like, you know, one, like, uh, four keys away. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. No, yeah, nope. That was that was totally intentional. It was one of my. It was probably one of my favorite jokes I've made <laughs> in a long time. I mean, it's it's whatever. It, like, I don't mean it, to the European listeners. I don't mean to totally rag on your handwriting. I mean, like, like the, it works for we, them. <laughs> we, it, yeah, it works for them. Like, if we came, if I went to a competition in Germany or something, they'd be like. What the heck is this crap? Yeah. Like, <laughs> please, can we stop letting it judge? Um, <laughs> make him run? I don't know. Um, although I guess they don't really have runners in Europe anyway, so, oh well. Wait, what? Um, they don't? Is that an American? That's an American thing? What? Kind of, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not totally sure, but, um, man, we're this is like the stream of consciousness topic at this point. <laughs> um, the, the kind of system they use in uh, Europe, they have the judges all run, but they have more judges than stations. Huh. So what you do is everybody's a runner. Um, there's a waiting area, so you go to the scrambling table as a judge, you grab a scrambled cube, you then go to the waiting area and call out their name, and then you just go to some open station. Huh. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Opened my eyes. 
<laughs> yeah, so I don't know how universally this is used. Like, um, for example, um, like I, at Worlds in 2017, like I think they used a runner system just because I think it looks a little more professional, I think, to have like judges seated mm-hmm. um, consistently. At least, I don't know. Or maybe just France doesn't use it. Um, at London Open, there were runners, I'm pretty sure, though. Pretty sure. I don't know. I have a, apparently, I can't even remember comps from two years ago. Um, I mean, you've been but, to, like, a million. <laughs> yeah, related. Yeah. So, like... Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's our new transition sound effect. But... <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, but I'm pretty sure, like, in the UK, they use a runner system similar to what we do. But I know it's common um, in Europe to do that system as well, Mm -hmm. where every judge is a runner, and you just, like, if all the stations are taken, like, you just, you know, wait with that person, hold their cube, and as soon as one opens, you go and take it. Mm -hmm. We've done that for, like, blind and stuff in comps here. That can work sometimes when you're low on staff. Right. I'm actually not sure which one's more efficient. To some extent, like, um, the, the system that we use really hinges on a high-quality runner. Mm-hmm. One that, like, can always see when a cube is ready to be taken back and that can always replace them quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's like, say you had, like, eight stations and 11 judges or whatever. You know, it's probably more than what you'd need because you could have, like, eight judges and, I don't know, like, two runners or whatever mm-hmm. in the typical system that we use in the u.s but then like if they're all being filled like you can just kind of kind of have judges be waiting in line for a spot to open which you can notice a lot quicker than like a station being empty i feel because there will be literally nobody sitting there at all not even a judge that's true yeah it's a lot easier Um, to see there's more of a transition time though where, 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 what's transition time specific? Well, it's like the judge sitting down and stuff. I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen it really happen, so I don't know for sure, yeah. but I'd imagine. Yeah, I know that Alberta competitions recently used it, and I think that they've, like, been converted. Hmm. Like, they used it at one competition, and for the most part, their community was like, yeah, this is really good. Well. Um, and I kind of like the system for the fact that, like, when... In our area, we use, like, a shared judging system Mm -hmm. where everybody acts as a judge. Right. We're actually going to be trying that out soon here. Yeah. It's it's awesome. But one of the problems we have with it is, like, um, it's hard to know exactly how many judges you're going to need because many of the people are just going to no-show. You know, some people will just want to help. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what often happens is, like, I assign judges, but there's just, you know, too many judges. Which is a better problem than not enough. Yeah. But I have a problem of too many judges quite frequently with this system. And I have to tell them, like, oh, you know, just go away. We don't need you. <laughs> um, because I don't really have anything better for them to do. But in this system, I could be like, great, just hop in line. Yeah. You know? Like, <laughs> it makes it, it makes it that much more efficient because you'll always have... it. May, like, the more judges you have, then the, the more or the less likely you are you know, to have, like, an open station sitting and waiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like it could work. Yeah, I think that, that that that's, like, one plus of it, that you never have to worry about having too many judges. I mean, obviously, at some point, there's definitely too many, but um, you're not, it, you, there's not, like, a prescribed number you need exactly. 
Yeah, right. You got some yeah. got some room where just adding throwing more judges in increases your efficiency. Yeah. So, um, what was the topic we started with? No idea. I think we were actually like cool. I think we were between topics. <laughs> we were what? We were between topics. We weren't even like on a oh. topic when we started discussing that. <laughs> <laughs> this is turning into like a Simpsons episode. <laughs> Uh, Like you just kind of start with like one random thing that's either forgotten or looped back to at the end of the episode (laughs) and, um, you know, nothing makes sense in the middle. And then you like realize like, oh, it's only been 20 minutes and we did all of that. Okay, cool. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to go to the Martin Agdell of the day, (laughs) which is a thing I'm still doing somehow? Um, (laughs) I recently learned that Martin Eggdoll is on a, a very long blindfolded success streak of 19. What? 19? 19 successes in a row, which puts him on the page on like the WCA interesting statistics thing. Uh, I don't remember where that puts him, but I'm going to go look it up. It's probably like 8th or 7th or something, I guess, at best. Uh, it is, oh, they don't have numbers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seventh. It is indeed seventh. Wait, actually, he's at 24 now? Wow. When I added that, he was at 19. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I I was right that it was definitely at best. Yeah. <laughs> for 19. Yeah, and like 19 sure. was at the bottom of the page, as you can see. If you look at it, the the last entry is 19 now. Um and he's already up to twenty four. How does the, how does he done that? I only enter, I added that like a week ago or something. <laughs> so if it's, if he's at twenty four, that means his streak must have ended. Uh, maybe. Is that is that how it works, or does it just? Well, because I mean, unless he did a round like a best of two round. Uh, yeah, that's true. It says October twenty eighteen to March twenty nineteen. So yeah, it must have ended because it would say ongoing. It would okay. Yeah, rips rip Martin Eggdahl's success streak. Yeah, but still twenty four. That's a lot. Also, while we're on the topic of Martin Eggdahl, oh yeah, um, I've been complaining about how he's going to nemesize me soon. Mm-hmm. I found out I already have a nemesis. What? that I've acquired this year. How long has that been a thing? Uh, since the FMC World Records. Oh really? Yeah. Who is it? Harry Savage. Oh. Yeah, and I see no way out of this. I need to look up if if he nemesizes me now, too. (laughs) Yeah, because the the issue for me is that uh, he beat my clock average. Just barely. Mm. No, he does not nemesize me. I wonder what I beat him in. What's your saving grace? Probably one-handed, I would guess. Yeah, I don't know what his one-handed is, but it's probably... He's right at the top of my list for people who nearly nemesize me. Yeah. Um, I'm going to come. Yeah, all the FMCers just got put on nemesizing watch when he got (laughs) single and average. One-handed average Uh, is the only thing I beat him in, and I'm like half a second better. Yeah. Unfortunately, he has a 716 clock average, and I have a 722 clock average. So... And looking at his results, that's probably my best bet to undersize, <laughs> unfortunately. Maybe I'm blind. Uh, what's that? Maybe multi. Yeah, but if you look at Harry's recent results in multi, um, he's attempting way more cubes mm, than I am. Okay. <laughs> so, not optimistic on that front. <laughs> yeah. 
his feet average is 40 seconds exactly. Yeah, and I mean, that's not a great way to denemesize someone either way. <laughs> uh, I was just noticing that because, like, all of the other results show up with decimal places, but then <laughs> his feet average on nemesizer.com just is 40. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Nemesizer doesn't show the decimals. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say, Martin Egdal, you're in the clear. <laughs> you can nemesize me now. It's fine. What's another nemesis at this point? <laughs> <laughs> All right, ready for your ambiguous regulation of the day? (laughs) Yeah. All right. So this regulation is 10D. It says that all parts of a puzzle must be physically attached to the puzzle and fully placed in their required positions. So the requirement for the solve state section. Section 10 is like about what the solve state is. So it's saying that when the cube is solved, all the pieces have to be in it? And yeah, have to be fully placed according to the regulations. Okay, placed on what? <laughs> yeah, this is where things are a little weird, um, because especially with big cubes, you know, fully placed in the required positions can have many interpretations. For example, if like an oblique, it's like you know popping out, but like the stem is still in the place where it should be. Is that solved? Like, it's just, like, protruding out a little bit. There's the other regulation that says, like, if it only has one colored face, right? Sure, sure. Then it's okay? Let's say it's multiple of them, then. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because clearly if it's one, then, yeah, it's totally fine. We don't need to worry about that. But say that it's, like, like a couple of obliques, or I guess it can't be a couple of obliques that are adjacent to each other, but, like, they don't have to be adjacent. Just say a couple of obliques, like, as you drop the cube, Mm -hmm. like, semi-popped. Like, they're still in the pu- inside the puzzle partially but like if you were to turn the puzzle in any way involving that piece it would fly out <laughs> i know that situation uh <laughs> yeah i don't know that's tough because like yeah i feel like the, it, when you read the regulation it's like how do you know yeah i feel like in the spirit of cube is solved you know like i feel like that should be okay but, you know, that's another thing where it's, like, you you have to draw a line somewhere. Right, yeah, it's like, you have to draw a line between what is solved and what is not solved at some point. And, like, you know, clearly, like, throwing your puzzles to the ground and having a pile of pieces is like, well, I mean, <laughs> you know, they're all relatively in the right place. Yeah, I mean, they're all within, like, a <laughs> foot of solved. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So it's, yeah, it's kind of an interesting situation. And there's been a lot of weird cases like that, especially with big cubes where, you know, pieces are just kind of falling out and <laughs> unclear what to do with them. Another weird thing about is, um, or another weird thing that came out was when Skube got added. Skube is weird because um, the pieces that are central to the core have multiple colors. Mm-hmm. And pieces that move around the core have one color. Yeah. Or multiple colors, but uh, I digress. <laughs> That's true. Um, but many of them have multiple colors, or and many of them have one color mm-hmm. specifically is what I care about. Yeah, you got those big um, centers, which are yeah. they really centers? I don't know. It depends on no, the they're not centers. Okay, they <laughs> I are. mean, not centers in the sense like a three-by-three three center. Yeah, but they're like centers like in the sense the that they're center of the of the puzzle (laughs) yes they are center of they are the center of the face of that puzzle (laughs) that is true um but they're different in that you know they aren't fixed to the core Mm -hmm. and i'm pretty sure that um you know other than like big cube centers being single color that 
it's a pretty unique puzzle in that it's so small and it has single colored pieces Mm -hmm. that uh are not attached to the core right because i guess on three by three and stuff it's not really a problem if they pop right yeah because you know i mean the center cap could pop off or whatever but with skew you can have a puzzle that's legitimately popped and here comes an interesting situation where you can leave the center out <laughs> and just, like, place the corners back in and call it solved. Yeah, but often when the center pops out, the corners are all, like, wiggly. <laughs> yeah, they're not fully placed. Or are they? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they're definitely, like, relatively in the right spot. <laughs> but there's nothing holding them down. Like, you can just literally pick up that piece. Yeah, with... <laughs> it's such a huge piece, with... the center's. <laughs> that it's like okay i guess technically they can be out but you're missing like half your cube <laughs> yeah exactly so uh, there's a lot of weird things that come out because of this break and it being you know somewhat unclear and somewhat like it's trying to draw a line but just kind of drew a really blurry line <laughs> that nobody knows where it is exactly yeah um but i mean it's really hard to draw a concrete line there like you know do you start putting like saying like no more than like two centimeters away do we need to bring like our calipers to competitions to like measure out how far away the piece is like i don't know i don't want to do that (laughs) that sounds awful but i don't i don't know what what other course of action there is so that's the reg of the day or specifically our ambiguous reg of the day yeah that's what it's been recently tendies yeah yeah, it's me picking apart the regulations. <laughs> yeah, rename the segment, K- picks apart the regulations. That way we can differentiate ourselves from those, you know, idea stealers at the WCA. Yeah, but then they're going to be like, the WCA picks apart the regulations. <laughs> <laughs> and then soon I'll steal their idea and be like, Kit psychoanalyzes his own personal flaws. <laughs> yeah, this is the end of all things. Do you have anything else to say? Um, I'd put it in a vending machine. <laughs> <laughs>